Hello, this is Voice Your Mind podcast from Listening. Welcome to our show where we talk about the unheard who have no one to share about their insecurities and past trauma or even having difficulty opening up to people when feeling down. On this show, we will be discussing everything about mental health, depression, and suicide. We listening are just ordinary people who are or were in your similar state and are currently encouraging ourselves and learning to improve our state of mind. So here we are taking a step towards motivating you to get better with us every day of the week. So without any further delay, let's get started with the episode. Hi, so today we have Bella Page with us today. She is a brain injury and mental health advocate. Hi, well, thank you for having me. It's our pleasure to have you. Even like I personally feeling proud too that I could like interview you. It's my pleasure actually. <laughs> our organization gave me this opportunity. So at first, like we would like like to know like you had a good day or not. So how are you doing at uh, to- life? Yeah. Uh, today is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Busy but good. Okay. Okay. So, at first, like we would love to know that. I mean, tell us a little bit about your journey. Like you can summarize that thing. Yeah, for sure. So, I have had over ten uh, concussions or brain injuries, depending on what you want to call it. I have become quite the concussion advocate. I ended up having to do high school and college a lot different than most. And I decided that I need to learn how to help people. And one of my big focuses is mental health because I found it was really missed when I was going through multiple doctors, physicians, specialists. A few people mentioned it, but no one ever realized how big of a problem it was. So I really like to focus on that aspect. So you were an athlete. I was, yes. Um, how was that journey from being an athlete to a like advocate of mental health like how was the journey and like who helped you in this yeah for sure so that was actually one of the biggest problems that caused a lot of my mental health issues was going from being a very competitive athlete I was living away from home I was told this was my career I It was all I was doing. I didn't think I'd be doing anything else with my life. So that was a really big adjustment for me. I had some really good coaches that helped and some friends, but a lot of it came down to myself kind of refocusing, uh, figuring out what I could do, what I couldn't do. And then it took, now I can do a lot more than I could last year or two years ago or four years ago. And so that was a big adjustment and it just took a lot of like self, like there's more in my life than just sports. But at first I did not believe that at all. You really did a lot. I mean, if I was in your place or like anyone, normal people, they could have like got broken so easily. So it's so great that you come back, like you came back and like you did a great job. You bring back your life in a track. So like, what was the like first reaction when you got to know that you won't be able to like leave those moments which you were living before the concussions? What was the For like sure. first reaction? 
Yeah, well, the first reaction was terrible. Um, when it first started and everything started to get really bad, I actually became, I became very depressed. I deleted all my social media because watching my friends continue doing what I loved was really hard, things like that. I wouldn't, I couldn't go out of the house because I was ill, but a lot of things, it just took me a lot of time. I was not prepared and I wouldn't accept it. It took me quite a few years to accept that I needed to be doing something else because I just kept trying. Like I would take some time off and then I would try again. And then I would take a little bit of time off and then I would try again. And then I guess three years ago now, I decided to try one more time and try for real, like move away from home, become a very competitive, high level athlete again. And I lasted about a month and all my symptoms were coming back. And I think because a lot of my symptoms had finally gone away, I realized that this isn't what I wanted to do. Where when it first started, I was used to the symptoms. So I just kind of stuck it out. Like I ignored them. I didn't tell anyone what was going on. I hit a lot of the pain and the truth and I just kept carrying on. But after a few years, I started to live with less. Like I didn't have a headache every day. I wasn't crying in pain every week. I wasn't in the hospital all the time. And so then when I tried again, I was going back. I felt like I was like going backwards in my recovery. And I was afraid of having a headache every day. And I realized that this isn't worth being in pain every day anymore. So that's when I was like, okay, now what? <laughs> like now what are you going to do with your life? So I kind of had to regroup. And it took me about a year or so to figure out what to do next. So you are an athlete. So you are the proper person to ask that question. Like, when you were an athlete, did you have enough scope to express your mental state? Uh, no, I didn't really know how to talk about it. Like, I think I would mention it once in a while, but I didn't know, like, as a 16, 17-year-old, how to tell my friends that I was depressed. I think I mentioned it once at a Christmas family dinner because I was, like, mad about something and I like raged out and said something and that was the first time I had said something and I'd been feeling like that for months so I wasn't really something easy to talk about and I didn't know how to talk about it at all so like at that time you weren't that expressive but after yeah. things happened you got expressive but now you're helping people to express their feelings that's really awesome now you have yeah. been helping sorry yeah yeah continue Uh, I actually didn't start talking about the mental health stuff much until after um, I attempted suicide uh, yeah. over three years ago now. And that is what like was like the trigger for like, I'm not doing like I need to do something. They put me in mandatory therapy and things like that. And then I started to realize that like this needs to be talked about to prevent other people from making like the same mistakes that I did in the past. When you were having that thought, I mean, how things like works around you at that time, whatever people tells you, just like uh, the tellings of people work at that time when you were having that thought of taking life? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a weird feeling. It, like the depressive thoughts and things like that kind of take over everything. Like, I always explain it as my ball in a box theory. And so you have this box and you have a ball in it and 
then there's a button and this red button is your mental illness and that ball grows and grows and grows and eventually it gets to the point where it's hitting the button 24 seven every day, all day. And eventually you just don't know what to do. Like, I think I started running a lot. I was running like three times a day just to handle the stress. And I remember my mom was really concerned and she's like, this isn't normal for you. Like I've always been really like athletic, but like, I don't really like running. (laughs) And she's like, you're running a lot, like slow down, eat something. You're losing weight. Like I just, the stress and things I couldn't handle, but I didn't know how to really talk about it. It took me actually going to therapy to learn how to talk about it. So therapy helped in your case. Pardon? So therapy helped in your case. Oh yeah, it did. It didn't help the first few times though. Like I went uh, after I ended up in the hospital and then they gave me the option for outpatient or inpatient and inpatient was only available because I had such a large family and the rule was that that I wasn't allowed to be left alone. So that wasn't very fun for me, but I did that for a few months and inpatient therapy, I would have to go and talk and all those things. And I finally got met with a good therapist or not a good therapist, the right therapist. So that was something I had to learn that I had to find someone that matched with me because I had been to other therapy sessions before I had done group therapy. I had done one-on-one sessions a few times with different therapists and I did them with my parents a few times and there was one time where my mom was like you're never going back are you and I'd be like no she's like you didn't like what they said I was like no (laughs) so it was just finding someone that matched with kind of what I wanted to hear at the beginning was a big thing because some of them would be too abrupt like no you can't be doing all these things or like they would question a lot of things and this therapist didn't do that. So it kind of allowed me to not quit after the first like session or two. So now you're working for others for mental awareness. So like, what are your tips for other people? Like who goes through this type of like, even any kind of depression or like, even when they feel low, what are the things they can do at for that time? Like instant? Yeah, for sure. So I like to say that you need to do a few things. So first you need to figure out what your warning signs are. So like for me, running is my warning sign. And one of my best girlfriends makes jokes. She's like, when you start running, I'm making you go back to the hospital or therapy or something every time because you don't run when you're not stressed. And so I was like laughing. So that's like my warning sign. And they make warning signs in media, like cutting all of your hair or dyeing your hair and things like that. But it's not always big warning signs. Sometimes it's something subtle. Maybe you stop doing something. Maybe you start doing more of something. So there's things like that that you need to pay attention to. And the other thing is finding ways to calm bad thoughts. So like I had brutal um, thoughts, like I'd be driving and it'd be like, Why are we living like this? You're in pain every single day. You can't even think. You can't read a page and remember what it said. So why are we here? So it was learning how to control those thoughts. And there's a bunch of different methods to do that. Like one of them is pick a word, any word, and then you close your eyes and imagine spelling it like backwards, forwards, like things like that to kind of just refocus and ground yourself. So that can be really helpful. And actually what helps me the most is 
I always call it, you need like your mini escape from life <laughs> and we all need one. And whether it's coloring, uh, I like puzzles if I need to, just like it's my healthy version of running. <laughs> Instead of excessively running, I'll do puzzles because I can't think about anything else while I'm doing a puzzle because I need to focus on it. So that's really helpful. Uh, reading a book can be helpful. Something that you can kind of clear your brain. Like I ride dirt bikes. Um, that's really helpful. I do it. And it's just kind of like, okay, the stress is gone. And it's something like that, like you need your own and it's going to be different for everyone, right? Like I ride dirt bikes and do puzzles. You could hate puzzles and dirt bikes, but maybe you like books or cooking or baking or crochet or just going for a walk. And you have to book it into your day. Like I find a lot of the time we tell ourselves that we need to do self-care and our schedules are crazy. Like my schedule is seven day, 24, seven, seven days a week. Almost everything is booked <laughs> other than sleeping. And I actually book in my self-care. Like I will put in dirt biking. I will put in puzzle, like things like that so that you're making yourself do it rather than just, if I have time today, I'll do it. Make time for it because it's really important. So as you said, like you read books sometimes, like when you are like, you are puzzled when you are puzzled. So like, yeah. Books suggestion for our listeners like what books are helping you to like calm yourself i actually do audiobooks and right now all of the books i read and listen to are for my podcast because i don't have time to read for pleasure like i'd like to and like i said it's a balancing act like i work a lot and then i try to find other things to do so The dirt biking has been my escape right now, but once winter comes, I have to kind of change it up. So I'm sure more puzzles will come out, but for books and things like that, it mostly it's books for people coming on my show because I like to read them before they come on. So that kind of fills my books up right now. That's great. So I would love to know that how you are working for others, what is the method of your to work for others to like increase this better health awareness? And like you're working yeah. with brain injuries too. For sure. So I have like the podcast and the website and all the social media. I don't like all the social media. Twitter confuses me, but I use it sometimes. And I'm doing it because something about brain injuries and concussions is it's very lonely. You kind of feel like you're the only one out there. What you're going through, like concussions are invisible and so is mental health. So everything you're going through, no one can see. So I think it's really important to create awareness for those things that no one knows that it's happening to you. Like I released the podcast and I tell this to people a lot. I had friends message me that I hadn't talked to in a few years from high school saying, oh, I didn't realize you were going through that. When I was in the hospital, <laughs> like for I don't know, so many times during all that, but they didn't know because we weren't that close or I just didn't tell that many people. Or when they saw me, I was, I looked like I look right now. I was bubbly and happy and smiling and they didn't understand that I was going through a lot, that I had maybe taken 10 different medications that day just to be there, but they couldn't see that. Yeah, so... I mean, so this is the way you have been working for this, but do you uh, talk with someone personally when they want help from you or something? 
Yeah, for sure. So I do one-on-ones. I don't really advertise the one-on-ones. It's more just people reach out and I do them. I haven't really needed to, but I do like little sessions with people when they just want to talk, uh, talk about their mental health, talk about people that they need to reach out to. So I've helped people get different resources in their area or virtual resources because they don't know how to find them or they don't know where to start because you search concussion help on the internet and so many things populate and you don't know what's real, what's legit, who should I talk to, who should I not? So I do lots of that, uh, lots of mental health uh, tips and things like that. So lots of people can reach out for those kinds of things. And then also people, by listening to the podcast, you probably get the most help other than like the one-on-one kind of reach out. available on the podcast. Pardon? You're mostly available there, but you also do one-on-one. Yes. Like, I mean, like therapists, you do that too. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. So like, do you have any present, like, you, are you working, like, uh, do, are you doing any campaign or something at present? Like, or any big work that you're doing at present? Uh, right now, in person, I don't actually do anything, mostly because of COVID. Yeah. And because of a lot of the time, how it works is I talk to people around the world. So the other day I met someone from Australia. Well, we have a 12 or 13 hour time difference. So it's kind of just whenever, wherever. And the virtual aspect allows me to do things like this and talk to people at any time. And they can do it at home, which is really convenient. We are looking into doing like big events, but those will be in a few years based on how the world is running right now. So you're being in this situation for like three years i have been doing this since last january january of 2021 so i've been doing this like heavily for about 10 months but i have been like i started the research about i started planning for the podcast and everything Uh, over a year and a half ago, but I wouldn't start it. I didn't like listening to my own voice. I didn't know where to really start. I had to do a lot of research and getting equipment and things like that. And it took me a while to build a website. And then I had to actually launch it. And I would tell myself it was being launched. And then I would push it a few months. And then it was like an ongoing cycle for a bit. So I would love to know your like research process. I mean, if you're comfortable with it, if you want to tell that. Can you ask the question again? Yeah, I I wanted to know about your research process when you were researching that you will be working on this thing. You were yeah. things like if you're comfortable with it, you if you like to share your that experience of like entering into a new world. For sure. So first, I didn't know much about the other side of podcasting. So I originally just wanted to do a blog, but actually the blog I haven't touched in months. <laughs> because I like all of this more. I like speaking rather than writing, but I've done some of that and I like writing more. So like I have a few books on the go, but that'll be like, those all take a lot of time, but I needed to figure out how to do the format. I want to know, was it just me and doctors? Was it just me and like survivors where do I find these survivors to talk do I just talk things like that I wanted to figure out and I also wanted to figure out how do I share it who do I share it to what exists like what kind of 
concussion podcasts, brain injury podcasts are already out there. Is there space for it? That kind of thing took some time. How do I do all of this social media stuff? So all that stuff was definitely, it took some time and it also took some of me deciding what I really wanted to focus on because it's such a broad topic. We don't know a lot about brain injuries and concussions to this day. So was I just going to focus on sports? Was I just going to focus on mental health? So I was just trying to find which niches I wanted to really center in on and then how to go about it. So are you going back to the sports now? I do the dirt biking, <laughs> which is tough. probably not safe <laughs> my doctors would not all agree with it some of them would like my mental health therapists think it is great for me the specialists and therapists that help me with my brain injuries don't 100% agree with it because they worry about me getting hurt but i think the mental health benefit overweighs the physical risk but i have to do something and i i'm not competitive with it i just do it for fun I don't I'm not going back into what I was doing before I used to do show jumping of horses and I couldn't I like to explain it as my piece of cake. So if you have a cake in front of you it's really easy to have one piece and once you have one piece it's really easy to eat the rest of the cake essentially and have more but if you don't touch the cake at all you will probably be okay. to not have any of it. So that's how it works with me in riding and show jumping horses. So I love it. And I did it. I think a year and a bit ago was the last time I rode a horse. And what I did was I rode like three times. <laughs> and I went for a walk with one of my best friends like a week later. And all of a sudden I'm talking about being a competitive athlete again and moving away from home and buying more horses and she's like whoa bella slow down like you have rode three times like no one said you were okay yet and no one says you can do this like can you physically handle this and the stress of it and the riding as a competitive athlete you're doing this 6 to 7 days a week and for hours a day not just a half an hour casually so I learned with that I can't take one piece of the cake. I want all of it. So it's better if I just leave it alone. I do a lot better mentally if I just don't get on horses, don't ride, just kind of keep it off to the side and maybe one day mentally I'll be able to handle it, but for my mental health right now it's just not worth spiraling into that. I wish I could. I wish I did this regret kind of spiral that starts. so when you are working for topics like mental health because really have myths about it there many myths about it or negativity about it still in this world we can deny that so have you felt any type of negativity around you or any negative type of people who are like opposite the idea or like creating troubles for you yeah so far most of the feedback like 99% of it has been really good I get the odd weird comment on like Instagram about like kink concussions being fake. I got that once, but a brain injuries aren't real or something. Like you get things like that. But mostly for the mental health stuff, I don't really get any negative feedback. I don't think we've had any real negative feedback at all. I've had a few people it's emotional and triggering for some people like episodes that talk about 
like we had one episode, I think that I did just myself, that was very triggering. If you had like dealt with mental health, suicide, depression, and things like that. So we do try to put warnings in place for that, just so that people don't get, um, you know, if you're doing really well and maybe hearing about someone else's mental health won't help you, maybe it'll make you worse. So we try to kind of create warnings for really like emotional episodes and things like that. But Otherwise, I find nobody's really against what we're doing. So that's really good. But like, do you think that the support for it or like people should support it more or like people should get like more increased awareness for it, like on a daily basis? I think we need to talk about it more because if so, for example, I ride dirt bikes. Okay, so a week ago, I was at a dirt bike track riding with a bunch of friends and I met someone new. And the first thing he said was, oh, what do you do for work? Like we were talking and I said, I help people with brain injuries and concussions for a living. And he's like, oh, I've had a few of those, which is, it's really common in the sport. And he goes, oh, does you ever focus on the depression stuff? And it kind of hit me like, that's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of a concussion is that you were depressed. And I think it's important that that's a very instant connection that people make all the time when they think of brain injuries that they've had, they think of their mental health deteriorating. So I think it's important. I know now I talk about it all the time and I've had more people open up to me than I ever expected. Like if you sit there and you're with a close friend and you mention your mental health or that you've been really down lately or that you've been depressed, there's a very high chance that they felt the same way. And maybe they don't feel that way right now, but it's very likely that they will talk about it too. And it's just shocking that the percentage of people that have gone through it compared to the percentage of people that talk about it. And it's not an easy subject to talk about, but we look at it like you're mentally ill, so you're crazy, or you're so depressed that you sleep all day, or you can't function in society. And people don't realize that I was severely depressed and a university student and I had a job and I rode horses. <laughs> you can be completely functioning and mentally ill and depressed. It does not mean that you can't function as an individual. It's just you're struggling a lot in the background. So I think that's really important for people to recognize that depression isn't just sleeping all day. And sometimes it is. Sometimes depression is not cleaning your room or not wanting to get out of bed, but there's lots of people who have high functioning depression where they're living their everyday lives and you wouldn't know that they are suffering like they are. Yeah, I mean, and like, they're not sharing their experiences, make it worse for them maybe. Yeah, I think talking about it isn't easy. Like I had one guest talked about his uh, suicide experience for the first time in his life. And actually, I think it helps him a lot to talk about it with someone. And I think it takes time and you have to be in the right place. Like I wasn't in the right place six years ago. If you tried to talk to me about this, I would have just had a meltdown or gotten angry or lashed out. So it's definitely something that takes time. But I think lowering the stigma about it is really important. And a lot more than like you see those social media posts on Facebook and they kind of drive me nuts, actually, that are like, call me anytime if you're struggling, even at four in the morning, I'll be there. And like, I get they're trying to make a difference, but that's 
not making a difference. It's not enough to help anyone. No one's going to call you at four in the morning because you made a Facebook post. You know, like, I think it takes a lot more and being a lot more open than things like that. Like, if I want someone to share the story with me, maybe I will have to go forward to understand that. Yeah, or like lots of people have started, you know, opening up and telling people like, you know, I was struggling and now I'm doing really well. Like even just adding like a little blurb to that, call me at any time, make someone be like, oh, they actually understand this. Maybe I will reach out to them. So things like that can kind of just add a little bit more of a personal factor to it rather than just lots of those resharing posts, like people reshare, 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 reshare. Well, there's no personal connection to that at all. Like you're creating awareness. Yes, that's fantastic. But are you helping people? Probably not. Um, like Again, I would like to ask you as you told that you went to the therapist, but every therapist didn't work for you. That one no, not work for you. So for different people, different therapists may work, but how can they find that perfect one for them? Like, what if they go to depression? Like, I'm not even getting my therapist. Yeah, so the biggest thing about therapy will, is actually the cost I am learning. It's very daunting to a lot of people because when you hear of therapy, you think it's like $100 to $200 a session, which definitely adds up quick if you're going a few times a week or once a week or whatever works for you. So the one thing I like to point out is there is cheaper alternatives to therapy. There are text therapies, there are apps that have therapy, and they're less than like $5 a month or a dollar a month. Like you're not spending hundreds or thousands of dollars a year on this. There are alternatives if you don't want to pay hundreds of dollars to real therapy or a different therapy. It's all therapy. Um, so I think it's important to look into those. And you just have to be your own advocate. And that's how this works. You have to be willing to try things and fail and then try again. I have tried countless amount of therapies. I can't tell you all of them because I don't remember them all. And it's really important to try things and then if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But the thing that we've learned about brains and even mental health is everyone is different. So what worked for you might not work for someone else. Or, you know, you have to learn that, you know, what worked best for me might be terrible for you to try, but it's worth it because what if it does work? And that's the thing with therapists. You just have to try. Like sometimes uh, gender matters, maybe talking to a male therapist is better for you maybe talking to a female therapist is better for you so you have to recognize what would work better for you do you want to connect with someone that is a female like you or maybe you would respect a female or a male differently so that's important or look into their methods maybe they do a lot of mindfulness and that interests you maybe they do there's therapy with lights maybe that interests you maybe they are really specialize in family domestic violence maybe that's something that connects with you so there is specialists so try to look into that and then just try again if it doesn't work maybe give more than one session I was a stubborn teenager and give, would give up really quick but if it's not working after a few maybe you could ask them do they know someone else that they're connected with that would be a better fit because they're not going to be insulted because of good match is really important when it comes to therapists and their patients.
Okay, and I would like to ask you, like, uh, you were con, how was your society, like your mates or like your family? Was your family enough? Like, I heard your mother was maybe supporting you throughout the whole time. And yes, then, so for I, sure. Other your family members and like your friends, you must have great friends too, as you were telling you about your friends too. For sure. So. My family is big. I am. I have lots of siblings, and my parents are both very supportive. So my mom dealt with my anger the most because she was around me the most. And I always say we lash out on people that we know won't walk away. Like I never got angry at my friends because they wouldn't be my friends anymore. But if I got angry at my mom, she was still going to be my mom. So <laughs> I find that that's kind of how it would work. And she was the one who would sleep on the end of my hospital beds most nights and would always make sure I would eat or make me something to eat. And I'd have two bites and she'd make me something different in an hour so she was really good for those kinds of things. Or she would sit in hospital waiting rooms or doctor waiting rooms for like six hours because sometimes the weights were crazy. And then there was my dad who was more into the research, like we're going to fix you. We're going to get help kind of roles. So he's been like time finding specialists that we would fly to or drive to and visit and he would come to these crazy different doctors that he would come up with going to see. And so that was more of his role. And then all of my siblings took it differently. So my little sister was confused probably the most when we were younger, because say in high school, she wasn't in high school when I was in high school at first. So she would get up and go to school and I wouldn't get up. And then she would see me after school. And I usually did better around like five to eight o'clock because I had slept all night and all day. So I had slept for over like 18 to 20 hours sometimes. So I was doing good for about four hours. So that's when she would see me and she wouldn't understand. And she'd be like, well, she was fine last night. Why isn't she going to school in the morning? And so that was hard for her to understand. Like, you know, she seemed fine. She's just making excuses. I don't want to go to school. Why is she not going to school? That kind of thing. So that was hard for her. But I think now like She's a lot older now, so it's totally different relationship, but that was definitely the beginning for her. My one oldest sister is a nurse, and I used to get something called, we used to call them pain attacks or panic attacks, but it usually was triggered for me being in a ton of pain for so many days, and my whole body would go, white as a ghost? I wouldn't be able to breathe. I would feel like I was 100 degrees, and one day she came home, and I was standing outside in the middle of winter, in like shorts and a tank top trying to cool off and breathe and she's like I'm calling 911 <laughs> she's like this is not okay and I had to like calm her down and I'm like no no this happens all the time <laughs> like don't call 911 she's like this is not normal and I just remember it was so funny and it's like one of my favorite moments <laughs> because it was just like it kind of got humor to like me being really ill at the time and my brother was just like the supportive. He didn't really change, which I kind of liked. Like he didn't treat me differently because I was mentally ill and he didn't treat me differently because I was physically ill. So I kind of liked that. So I don't think people are very different. So what would be your suggestion? Like if any of our dear ones get conditions or like suffer from any kind of illness, like how can we deal with them? What would be your suggestion for that? Yeah, so the biggest problem and the biggest mistake I did was I didn't tell them. 
much of what was going on. So I told them during the first year, I guess the first year once I admitted what was going on. So the second year that this was going on. So I would tell them every day that I would have a headache. And then it got really tiring uh, for me. And I think for them, because like, you get that burden feeling like, you know, you're weighing down on everyone in your family when they ask you how you are. And you're like, still still the same like I'm not any better I still am an excruciating pain as I sit here I want to cry and bawl my eyes out right now and things like that so I didn't want to talk about it so that's where I kind of began to like block them out and kind of build up like this giant wall that I built up around me and I think if I had included them inside of my wall, things would have gone a lot better for like the mental health side. I think they would have pushed it a lot more if they realized how severe my mental health was. Like there was a time that I had notes in my drawer in high school because I was like, I don't want to live here anymore. Like I had done lots of that kind of stuff and they had no idea. I didn't talk about it. I didn't tell them. And we were really close. Like we are still really close. I talked to my siblings every day. And none of us live together. <laughs> and I see them weekly, a few times a week, usually. Like, we are very close, but that didn't matter. I didn't tell them everything that was going on. I'm really bad for, like, kind of bottling things up and keeping things to myself to protect others. But I learned that I was actually hurting myself by not telling the truth. So that's something that's really important. And maybe don't feel like you're a burden because you're not, because hiding it is actually hurting them as well especially if they want to help you so like our time is like really short we have really short time i wish i could have talked to you a lot more but do you have do you want to like feel anything to our listeners anything you yeah, want? for sure well First of all, if you are suffering from mental illness or mental health or just any illness, because they all um, have different struggles, but a lot of the struggles connect and a lot of people don't realize that, definitely reach out to me. You can find anything out on my website, which is postconcussioninc.com or on the podcast, which is the post-concussion podcast. So like everything can be found there or on social media as well, but you just have to keep your head up and definitely take it one day at a time you can't beat yourself up because today was bad does it mean tomorrow will be bad so that's always something I think it's important to remember yeah thank you I mean it was really nice like you're such a beautiful soul I have to tell you that and like everyone should be proud of you I mean even I, I got to talk to you for like around 40 minutes I'm really being so proud of you and getting that positive energy from you yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, thank you. So that's all for today. This was your host, Dima. And And that's the end of today's episode. I know taking action is quite a hard job to do. So I hope the advice and insights we got today will help you to take the leap of faith and pursue your dreams. You can share your story with us with the first link in the description box. And don't forget to subscribe. I'll leave a review on the Apple Podcast. We will come back with another episode. Till then, keep healing, learning, and growing. Thank you.